It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by at Mavs Draft on Twitter, Richard Stamen, to talk about the 2022 NBA draft and also preview the 2023 NBA draft all coming up on today's Locked On Thunder. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to talk about, so far at the halfway point, the 2022 draft class and talk about looking ahead to this amazing 2023 class. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to uh, talk draft again. It's Thunder Draft. I'm glad that you're back as Thunder Draft. It's where you belong. We do these about bi-weekly right now, then ramp up to weekly as the year progresses and we get closer and closer to that draft date. Now, starting with 2022's draft. Obviously, the big piece was Chet Holmgren. We're not going to get to evaluate Chet Holmgren this year. He's out for the season. But one player that we will get to evaluate is Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. And now, Richard, I I DM'd you two days before the draft, and I said, Richard, how would the Thunder go about getting J-Dub? Would they need to take him at 12? Or is there an area where they could trade back a little bit? What would they need to do to get J-Dub? We talked about that, and then boom, the Thunder get him at 12 uh, and select J-Dub. And he looks incredible. He leads the NBA in guards with dunks. He is just putting on an absolute clinic in terms of efficiency. He's shown defensive upside with his blocking ability and stealing ability in the passing lanes with his length. Like, looking at Jalen Williams as someone who was not you know, emotionally tied to the Thunder, just from the outsider's perspective, just watching his game without much bias. What is Jalen Williams' ceiling? Yeah, I mean, he's for sure going to be a starter on a good team. I think you're looking at somebody who, I don't think it's crazy to say that he could be a top 50 player in the league. Like, I mean, the defense, the three-level scoring at a wing, that's just the recipe to be a top 50 player. A top 50 player would be awesome for the Thunder Kenny Hustle said that you know he has all-star potential. Now, I think that his potential could be like all-star caliber, but making an all-star team is difficult, especially on this Thunder team, because Shea's always going to make it from now on, you would assume. And then if Chet Holmgren pans out the way that we think, he'll make it. And then you would have to be fighting tooth and nail for a third all-star and be a really, really good team. Only like the 1% of teams get three 
you know, three all-stars. So he may never make an all-star team, but I think that he could perform as a, you know, reserve all-star uh, in his career and just maybe not get there uh, because of the circumstances of how the Thunder roster outlook looks. But what has been, for you, what has been the biggest leap off the page thing for Jalen Williams that you that you might not have seen or maybe just undervalued a tad in the in the evaluation period in the in the college? Honestly, it's just how smooth everything is translated. I thought there would be a second where he'd have to spend some time in the G League, um, develop a little bit as a playmaker, but I mean, he doesn't turn it over very much. He's able to see the simple pass and execute. He can make some advanced reads, but ultimately it's just how smooth that combination of offense has translated. I mean, like I said, like the playmaking plus scoring with smoothness. I mean, he right now is at 51% from the field as a rookie, which is like, if you're not a big, that's really hard to do. Let alone if you're a, a combo wing, like he played both two and three, that's really tough. And his three point shot isn't even there yet. Like it's 29%. That has a ton of room to grow. I, I think that his three point shot will eventually fall. Do you feel that same way that like there are signs that point to him eventually being able to, uh, make it from distance because he did it a little bit in college, obviously shooting what did you last year, 40% from three uh, last season. And I, I think that it's kind of the Jeremiah Robinson Earl thing where like last year, Jerry did not shoot up to his standards from three, but it, the process of him shooting last year looked good. And then this year you're seeing that percentage increase, uh, th- you know, for, through his sample size so far this year, I think that you can see Jadam improve as well from, from three point line. Yeah, and especially because right now, I mean, he's not even shooting off the dribble very much. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers, 2 of 11 from off the dribble threes, 28 of 92 from spot up threes. Both of those could easily skyrocket as a sophomore. Like that's not like that's not out of the ordinary for a rookie to have those numbers. It's honestly kind of an, on par with a lot of other rookies. Now, have you gotten a chance to see a lot of Usman Jing? I know that he's been bouncing around from the NBA to the G League and, of course, got hurt now. But, like, he has played in a few NBA games where he looked really good, you know, notably in Atlanta. But have you gotten a chance to look at any of that so far? A little bit, but it's honestly been pretty minimal. Um, I I remember, like, two games from when he was with the actual, like, the big the Oklahoma City Thunder. But other than that, and I just remember, like, of course, his defense was good. Other than that, I don't remember a ton, unfortunately. But... I have been keeping up with the numbers in the G League. And we will also just end the 2022 segment with just some Chet praise because I feel like he gets lost in the shuffle. How high were you on Chet slash are you on Chet? Yeah, I mean, I I thought Chet should have gone one at the time of the draft. In hindsight, how everything's played out. Very happy as a Magic fan. But, like, um, you know, I think, I think Chet's still going to remind people about how good – he is as that just versatile big man that can do everything on the floor. He's going to create a little bit. He's going to defend a lot. He's going to shoot a a good amount. Like he's going to do everything from everywhere all at once, I guess. Uh, If I'm already there, like, you know, he he is just that kind of guy where he can just do so many things. He's undefendable, unguardable. And, you know, when you have a center who does all of that, how do you play team defense at that point? Because if you're anchor, is thrown off by the versatility all four of your other teammates are going to be thrown off and to me that just screams just walking this match he makes his teammates better things like that all the important stuff on top of the counting stats he'll get so of the 2022 draft in general who is the best value pick is it Jalen Williams from Santa Clara is it somebody else who is it 
Yeah, I, I think it's Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Just because end of the lottery, it's pretty boomer bust. Uh, there's a lot of research done around where picks, what picks you're making at where, and the tendencies with them historically. And generally from like, I think it's 9 to 15 or something, it's like every other. You have almost a 50-50 chance of bust or boom. And if you get the boom, like you, you take that. That's a win. Massive win. Jalen Williams has been a massive win for OKC. But let's talk 2023 NBA draft. Who the Thunder should select? What slots are the most valuable in the 2023 NBA draft? And how deep this class is all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Built Bar. Richard, you've had many a Built Bars. I've had many a Built Bars. Built Bars hooks us up with a lot of their protein bars that taste like a candy bar with 100% chocolate on the outside. They are so good. Pre-workout, post-workout as a meal replacement, as a snack, whatever the case is, go ahead and check out Built Bar today. You can get them now at Sam's Club and Walmart. Also, of course, you can go to Built.com and check them out there as well. Richard, these are fantastic. These Built Bars are. What are your favorite Built Bars? Oh, cookies and cream. The puffs. Oh, it's perfect. Cookie and cream puffs. Those are fantastic. Uh, I personally... I uh, love the cookies and cream, and I love the uh, coconut marshmallow. The uh, coconut brownie chunks were a big hit around the network as well, uh, and mint brownie is always good. The birthday cake ones were phenomenal, but those ones kind of cycle in and out of their rotation of flavors, so you got to really hop on those whenever they come out. And then there was a specialty flavor, which you can maybe try to get your hands on, Snickerdoodle. I love Snickerdoodle, so you can check that out as well. Built Bar is fantastic. Again, only 160 calories. It's amazing for you. Pre-workout, post-workout as a meal replacement. They're very filling. They're very good as a snack as well. Use them right now, built.com, or go to Walmart, the pharmacy section, or Sam's Club, and get some Built Bars and enjoy them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Roland Styles, joined by at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Richard Stamen, make your second listen, the Lockdown NBA Big Board Show, to listen to more draft coverage in general, but also more draft coverage from Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Now, Richard, the 2023 draft, it's got to, every time that, that phrase gets said, it's going to make you giddy because this is going to be a fantastic draft. This is going to be a very deep draft class. This is going to be one where uh, you're going to want to, ingest all the content that you can because if you started today and started listening to every draft podcast from Locked on NBA Big Board, you still will be craving even more content about it. That's why they're going to be pumping out even more content about it. So will we over here at Locked on Thunder because it's just going to be an amazingly deep draft class. Now, with that being said, Richard, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. The Thunder, who John Hollinger predicted would win 20 games this year, has already won 18. And they sit closer to the play-in than they do to the worst record. They sit closer to the play-in than they do to the fourth worst record where they had been the last two years. And from your vantage point, 
what is the cutoff for the Thunder specifically to a value pick? And when I, when I say a value pick, I want to give you a lot of context. A value pick being a pick that can immediately impact this team next year and, and help them win basketball games. What is that cutoff? Whenever you factor in that you're going to have the, the nucleus that is already being shown, plus you're going to have Chet Holmgren next year. What is that cutoff for the Thunder of, of when they, where they can find that value in in this draft that is so deep. Yeah. And you're saying the 20, like the, excuse me, the, which pick like the sixth or seventh pick, for example, right. or something. Yeah. I would actually say it's about that uh, six through eight. If you're after eight, you're really putting it in jeopardy. I would say six is probably the safe, like you want to be in the top six, um, especially just looking at, if you look at the top six, excluding the top three. So really that four through six or even four through seven year over year, there's generally a good contributor. Um, an exception to this would be 2021 number eight was Franz Wagner. But I mean, even in 2020, Onyeko Kongu in his first playoffs was making an impact. He was, I think, the fifth pick or something like that. Um, DeAndre Hunter was a high floor guy. And I think you find that this year, really, I don't know where this guy goes. But for example, Kim Whitmore feels just like the guy who he's the immediate fit impact guy. And I think he goes four through, really even three through six. I don't know what his range exactly is right now. It's still too far, but I think he's somebody who fits that mold. I love that you brought up Cam Whitmore because he is my number three with a bullet right now. And I think that Cam Whitmore fits what the Thunder want to do pretty well. And I think that he, of all of the quote unquote consolation prizes between Victor and Scoot, like him, Brandon Miller, are two names that really pop for OKC. If you were Sam Presti and you got pick three, let's just say that lottery luck happens as is, as it's in the name. It's a lottery, so technically speaking, the Thunder can get almost any pick despite uh, winning these games. If you leap up to three, and, you know, of course, Scoot and Victor, you know, one, one, two for Victor and Scoot, what would be your selection as of this moment? Man, I, I, I'm always torn between these two guys, but... Um, my, in theory, it's between Cam Whitmore and Amen Thompson. And I think I go with the one who is playing tougher competition at a younger age and plays a more value, potentially valuable role. Um, I think it depends on Amen's shot coming along, but I'm going with Cam Whitmore. I think he's going to be able to guard one through four. I think he can attack closeouts. He can shoot lights out over closeouts. I think there's, there's a lot of upside being a two-way wing, which if you look at probably the very most valuable archetype in the league. It's a two-way wing. You look at all the superstars in the league, almost half of them I feel like are two-way wings. I mean, Jason Tatum, Paul George, for example, Kawhi. The list goes on and on. LeBron, even in his prime, obviously none of he won't be as good as like LeBron or something. But just that archetype is so valuable. So I would say go with that. You can fit him into any lineup. And I think it's almost like in baseball, you're a big baseball guy. You can never have enough pitching, right? You can never have enough wings in the NBA, I don't think. You can never have enough shooting, things like that. And that's why I go with Cam. I love that pick, not just because you agree with him, because I think that Cam is amazing. Now, you're the second person who's brought up uh, Eamon Thompson as a as an option for OKC and not Azar. It is, it, in your opinion, would it really just be Eamon, who is a fit for OKC, versus Azar? Yeah, you would take Azar later, I think. Um, not like you know, out of the lottery. I think they're both lotto prospects, but for me, it's just with Amon Thompson, like he's a lead in the pick and roll the way 
he snakes through defenses. It's stuff that it takes guys two, three years in the league to learn. And he's already doing it. Like his, I, I think if you're a point guard, you have to be able to dominate the pick and roll, especially if your jumper is mediocre at best like his is. And I just see a lot of similarities to the way, just aesthetically speaking, how John Morant goes through point guards, or excuse me, screens as a point guard and being 6'7". It's ridiculous. The same level of explosiveness, that's unreal. Again, the, the big concern for me is he's 20 years old. He's still playing high school, and we don't know if he can shoot. Right. I, I totally agree with, with those concerns, and we talked about that on our last draft podcast, which has all been put into a playlist on YouTube now if you want to go check them all out uh, for this year's draft, where you know I think that's going to be impossible for people like us to scout the Thompson twins because – they should look incredible on Synergy and, and, and all these other platforms uh, against high school competition at 20 years old. Uh, but it's going to be up to the up to the NBA people that get to have their hands-on experience with them, get to have these in-draft, you know, these, these draft workouts with, get to uh, talk with them and, and, and their peers and see just how, you know, how to evaluate them. I think that we're never going to get to to get get to that place with them until they're actually in summer league and in the actual NBA. Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. Um, just the that's where I think something like pre draft workouts is going to shape a lot with the twins. So, I want to do this real quick, and then in the third segment, we're going to dive into individual players. But on Tankathon, just hit sim lottery, and in this, in this sim for the Thunder, they fall to eight, so they have the eighth pick. Now, obviously, there's no shot anywhere in the world that you can trade for Victor Mignana. There's no shot, in my opinion, that you can trade for Scoot Henderson. Uh, but can, how far can the Thunder, with their draft assets, move up from eight? Because, you know, if you look at this draft and you look at the depth in this draft class, you look at the roster that the Thunder already have. Uh, the Thunder, after this season, will be will be in a roster crunch. Because this season, you just don't sign Darius Baisley. And you, so you, that roster spot opens up and it gets immediately filled by the first-round pick. And then you trade away your second-round pick and, and your roster crunch is now over. Uh, but... For the Thunder moving forward, in 2024, you have you know, four first-round picks, which is going to be hard to make room for four first-round picks um, with the current roster state. So consolidating some of those in this year's draft to move up from eight, how far do you think that they could get if they were going to give future first-round picks plus pick eight to move up? I think you could get to three. If you remember last year, nobody wanted to pick at four because – Everybody knew who the top three picks were going to be. It was going to be Powell. It was going to be Jabari. It was going to be Chet. In some order, we all knew it would be those guys. You're starting a new layer of the draft at that point. That's a really tough situation to be in. I think nobody's going to want three this year, personally. I just I think it's everybody knows Victor. I, I think Victor goes number one. Even if he gets hurt, I think he goes number one. I think even if Scoot keeps missing time, he's been on and off. He's so great when he plays, he goes number two. At three, I mean, we already just had this minor discussion. We don't know. And there's about six guys that are in that mix. There's no clear-cut best college prospect. There's no clear-cut – I mean, even the high school ones, people still aren't even decided on which Thompson twin is better. So why would anybody want to be the one who has to take, uh, take that first cut into that cake? Like, nobody's going to want to do it, and I think they can move up to three. They have all their own future picks. They have a ton of other picks. I think it's a good idea to move up to three for them personally, if they got the eighth pick. So you do think it'd be a good idea, especially trusting Sam Presti to start that new wave. And then also just because you can't, you, you can't possibly keep all these future first round picks. And this is kind of why you make these trades 
It's you might whether you use trades to compile all these draft assets, it's to flip them and do better draft assets and flip them into better players eventually. And so for the Thunder, whenever you scope out, I think it's fair to say that this draft class, like trading up from eight to three, is more valuable than having another crack at the 2024 draft. I think that this draft is just simply more valuable. Is that fair to say? I mean, I'm lower on it than most, but yeah, probably, especially compared to next year. So that is the kind of exercise I wanted to go through in terms of how the Thunder could move, how close or, or how high they could get. Obviously not getting one of those top two picks, but they can pretty well get to a top three, top four, top five pick anywhere they finish almost, especially if it's realistic, like down to eight or whatever. While they've been really fun at winning these games, it still is not dooming them in terms of their um, lottery chances or uh, high draft pick chances. Let's dive into some individual players coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but your friends over at LinkedIn, LinkedIn is incredible. It is awesome. It is an amazing platform for you to use as a small business owner or a hiring manager, because you know that success in 2023 all depends on team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching open roles with people that have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. Go beyond resumes data by using insight from your job post and your company that they can get their post out to the 847 million people profiles out there uh, and get your post in front of LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedinjobs.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA, linkedin.com slash locked on MBA terms and conditions to apply. Check it out today. This lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home, but I'll be honest. I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. Thank you so much, Richard Stamen, for joining us on today's show. Now, we've talked about Cam Whitmore for and how I think he's the perfect fit. We've talked about Grady Dick as well, and, and I want to talk right now about Nick Smith Jr. Now, he's dealing with some injuries in Arkansas, uh, but he's one of the higher-profile guys we have not discussed. We've discussed Victor. We've discussed Scoot. We've discussed the Thompson Twins. We've discussed Cam Whitmore, Brennan Miller. But what do you think about Nick Smith Jr.? Yeah, I mean, when he came back, he looked pretty good. Uh, some volume scoring. I think he's overall intelligent. He can play off ball. He can play on ball as a guard. Um, and I think he's comfortable with both hands from very limited sample size. My issue with him is moving jumpers were not pretty. Um, I think his playmaking is simple. It's not. He's not much of a playmaker. Uh, but as a self-creator on ball, he can do it. And then defensively, I just... I don't know if it was the injury. He looked really stiff. So I'm, I'm not super high on him. I'd take him out of the back end of the lottery. I've had that stance 
actually since August, I've, I never really was sold on his high school film. I thought he just had a lot of benefit of high usage, but he's still really good and should go lottery. You don't think that he should go like top five lottery? No, 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 he shouldn't be in that discussion. And then what about his teammate, Anthony Black? He's an interesting one. So I thought he was going to be more raw than he was or is right now, I should say, uh, because I, I've seen him in high school, got to see him a year ago, and he was just really struggling with turnovers, which he is now too. And the shot didn't look that fluid, which also percentages on free throw and three-point percentage, not so great. But he's so good inside the arc, and he's been a good playmaker. I've actually been impressed. I would take him at the end of the lottery too, almost the same range as Nick Smith for me. And with all of this, this you know, discussion, I think that the one name that I, I find myself wanting more opinions on is Derek Whitehead. He had the injury early in the season, but I'm still very high on him from Duke. Do you have any sort of evaluation on him in terms of are you high on him or you're low on him? Like, what's the general feel for you on Derek Whitehead? Yeah, I go back and forth. Uh, so at the beginning of the year, he started off really slow coming back from that foot injury. He just was struggling to really get into rhythm. But the last four games for him, which has been actually the last month, he's been really good, just efficient. The shot looks better. He seems to have his legs under him. He's making less mistakes, uh, still making a good amount of mistakes, especially in the turnover department. But, you know, generally speaking, I think he finally looks like himself. Like this is his November for him now. And maybe December, I guess, because it's now been a month. But over this last month, he's averaging 15 points a game on 47% shooting, 42% from three. And that's on six attempts a game. Even though the shot needs some work, his, if you're watching on YouTube, like, so this is how his shot goes. He releases, and then the, the guide hand, he does like a mailman almost, and just keeps his, his uh, guide hand at his head. So it's kind of weird. But I think once he fixes that, he becomes a really consistent shooter. So three-level score with athleticism. He looks the part right now. I love the demonstrations from Richard Stamen of shooting motions. Last one. Sorry to get you out of here a little bit late. Last one from Houston, Jarese Walker. I, I've seen a ton of buzz about him recently. A ton of buzz. For for your money, where is he on your big board? And then does that change at all if you were doing a Thunder-specific big board? Yeah, the so I haven't updated my board since I dropped it a couple weeks ago. I had him in the mid-20s. Then I saw his game actually against SMU Sunday, and it changed me a little bit. I really can't describe why. I don't think it was anything crazy different. I think it was just he wasn't making mistakes, and he found comfort in his role. And I was impressed. The shot looks good. He was shooting over defenders. It finally looked like his high school film translated for the like one of the first times all year where it was just a full game of it, consistency, and we hadn't seen that before. So I was really impressed. I would now probably from that one game alone, I was, I was sold. I think it – had a lot, a lot of weight on my mind for it. I would move him back in the top 20. I think he's a good value play combo forward. Now, were you was that one of the games that you went to at SMU, or did you just watch it? No, no, no. So I was in Houston. Um, their game at SMU, I think, is next month. Okay, Richard Stamen might be there if you're going to go to that Houston SMU game. So, so check it out. Richard, you do a lot of great work scouting around the TCU, SMU and all the little Texas schools out there. Also, do a lot of great work just remotely on Twitter at Mavsdraft. Uh, it's awesome for all of you to go check out and lock the NBA Big Boards. Richard, thank you, for, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week or the week after. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 